everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of Eat, Drink, Write, an Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. I'm Sherry Ellison. I'm Taylor Ellison. And today we're going to talk about building magical systems in urban fantasy. First, tell everybody what we did this weekend. Well, first of all, I lost my voice. So <laughs> that's one thing. Um, but we went to the Atlanta's Writers Digest uh, workshop in Atlanta um, and got to pitch to some agents and go and see some really cool classes. And um, both both of us had some really good uh, feedback and opportunities given to us from the agents that we pitched to. So, Yeah, we're both real excited. We, we both pitched and received requests for our books, so that's pretty awesome. We're very excited about that. So now we got to get all that turned in. We'll keep you guys posted. Some really great teachers there, really great authors there, really great agents there. We had a really good time. So this is the morning after, and we're very tired, and Taylor has no voice, and my throat's a little sore because all we did was talk. I also had a child support conference this week, so I went from talking all week during midweek to talking all weekend, so we're both exhausted, but happy to be here with you guys. Let's jump into it. Sure. So I have just some basic comments before we go into the actual details of how to do it, if that's okay with you. Sure, yeah. Okay. So, in fantasy, magic is probably the most important piece of your book. Yeah. It's going to be the most important thing in your book because that is what shapes fantasy. It's not an afterthought. It is the most important device that you're going to be using to shape your book, your characters, everything. So, magic, this is is important. This is an important thing. Yeah, definitely. magic and how it works is going to dictate how your characters act, how your world acts, how everything. So, you know, think about how important gravity is to us on earth. It's integral for us to to live here on earth. Magic is going to be the same way to your book. Yeah. Because it is that important. It can, it's central to your story. So I have types of magic, rules of magic, masquerade. Where does magic come from? Keeping magic from being too powerful. How did you go about doing this? I'm not sure what the best way to talk about it is. Yeah, for sure. So I started with a general definition okay. of what a magic system is. Oh, um, yeah. Let's do that first. Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, but before I do that, you know, I also have, you know, I jump right into designing one. And I found a, a really great resource. And I forgot to write it down, but we'll plug it. We'll put it on our website because this it was a great resource about you know, six steps into that go into designing a magical system. And it brings in um, points that you've brought up where, you know, where does it come from? How does it work? Um, who can use it? That kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so that's that's what I've got. And then uh, after that, I figured we could talk a little bit about how we went about designing our own magic oh, systems. good idea. Okay. We'll start with the definition and we'll go from there. So it's a, it's a very brief definition. It's, you know, just the magic in the world that you created and how it works. Um, and that is a really basic definition, but it really encompasses, you know, how it works in your world and and what it means to your book and what it means to your stories. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. That's it perfectly. Yeah. Okay, so what was your first point? And we'll see if that matches to any of the points I've got. Sure. Um, There's no right way to design a magic system um, is actually my first point. Um, Okay. There are a lot of ways to go about it, and I think that kind of ties into... You know, world building, because we talked about world building. There are lots of different ways to do world building. And so, yeah, there's there's no one way to do it. There's no correct way to do it. Um, I think everyone is probably going to do it differently. So I think so, too. I, I have a little bit on that. I was like, ask questions of yourself 
to explore where you want your magic to go. There is no right way to do it, but asking questions help. You can also look at existing things that are out there, existing books, and look at how they built their uh, magic. I always like to go back to the Dungeons and Dragons. That was, you know, I grew up with that. And yeah. so I've got all these books that have really good ideas on how to deal with magic. Now, it is a certain way that they've done in Dungeons and Dragons, but it can spark ideas for you too. try to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that completely. Okay. I, I came up with two types of magic, really, in fantasy. High magic or hard magic versus low magic or soft magic. And the high hard magic is the magic that it's when it's integral to every integra. Oh my lord! Integral. That's the word uh, to everything in the story. Magic is used for mundane things. So think about Harry Potter. I yeah. Mean, magic is used for everything. Yeah. Flying cars. I mean, it, it's right. Everything. Whereas low or soft magic is that there's magic, but it's not something that can be easily used to solve everyday problems, like the Lord of the Rings. There's magic, but they couldn't use magic to destroy the ring. You know, they, they couldn't magically teleport Frodo to destroy the ring. Yeah. So it's there, but it's a low magic. It's a softer magic. I actually have something very similar. I have, I have also uh, looked up uh, hard, hard system magic and soft system magic. Um, and did, I, what did that come under, under yours? Cause I feel like I'm, I'm taking you out of order. Oh no, no worries. It's a, uh, it, well, I actually brought it up under, um, there's no right way to design a system. Okay. So no, this was a, this was a Perfect. good jump. It's not out of order at all. Okay. And I actually saw that Brandon Sanderson, uh, talked about this too. He said, you know, there are both hard and soft systems. And I was like, what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you covered it pretty well. A hard system, according to him, you know, features a strict set of rules outlined in the narrative. So there's a strict set of rules, you know, exactly how it works. Um, a good example would be uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. The magic in that world, there's a there's a strict set of rules. You know, there's only one person who can control all four. Right. And then the rest of them can only control one element. And it's that way throughout the whole series. And then the soft system, I have the same example of Lord of the Rings. Um, and that's basically where the parameters are never really explained in the n- narrative. Um, you don't really know where they come from. And also, um, I think it works for Harry Potter, too, because you don't know... You know, some wizards can use their wands to cast spells, whereas there are also mandrake roots that have their own inherent magic. And, right. You know, it, that doesn't seem very connected, and so it's not very, um, it's not hard set Stringent. rules that yeah. are explaining where magic comes from and how it works. So. Okay. Okay. And then kind of along those lines, the rules of magic, you've got to have it be consistent all the way through. Definitely. I have that somewhere in here, yeah. too, but I think that's really important. Yeah. Otherwise you lose your reader. I mean, you can't have it easy to port one time and then all of a sudden you can't port unless right. you explain it. Yeah. You know, there could be something that you can set up to hinder whatever that is. Yeah, I think I have, you know, I don't think that the rules of magic should change once you have them set. Yes. That's not to say that there aren't exceptions to the rules because I think rules are made to be broken. Right. But I think it needs to be logically done. Like it needs to make sense in the story. Yeah, because you will. You'll lose your reader if they're like, this makes no sense. I, I get, I don't want to read it anymore. Right. You know, yeah. so... You also need to think about whether it's a masquerade versus the open knowledge of magic. That's going to be when you're deciding how to create your magical system. That's huge because it affects everything. It will affect who can use the magic and who can't use it, where it can be used. What are the rules to ensure that the masquerade is kept if it is a masquerade? So think about living your life and then having to hide an integral part of yourself. There's that word again. I seem to like that today. (laughs) Integral. (laughs) Yes. I can't even talk. 
think you'd be living a double life and how, yeah. how hard that would be. And that creates tension in and of itself. Right. You know, what if you're a doctor and you have magic that could save someone, but you're not allowed to use it? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you do choose you, to save it? Do or you choose you... to risk saving this person or, right. you know, and so that creates conflict of it in and of itself as well. Yeah. So all of these are things that you have to consider when you're in the very beginning of making your magical system. I think so too. Is it going to be a masquerade or an open, uh, open type magic? And then you had mentioned, where does magic come from? Is that one of your steps? It is. Explore its origins. Explore its origins. Okay. So does it come from something that's physical or tangible in your world? Like it's a specific lake or a river that you have to go to or a ley line like we've talked about before. Right. Or a particular plant. Yeah. You know, that kind of, is it something physical? Right. Where does it come from? How is it created? Why is it there? Is it something that's less tangible, like energy? or the elements, or moonlight, right? words, or spells. Yeah. And if it's spells, where does that energy come from? If it is energy, is it from your thoughts? Is it from the willpower within the person? Does it come from the gods, like in, D- in D&D? If you're a paladin, you have to pray to your god. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting. I think there's so much that you can play with with that. You can do so many different things. I, I just, I love creating magical systems. It's one of my favorite things. And it's because you can do so much with it. There's no limit because it's literally magic. Yeah, only Um, your imagination limits what you can do. And it's so much fun. Uh, And that leads into, you know, are there different types of magic? And I think absolutely. Um, Even if you have one set magical system, I think, you know, there can be different types because everyone's going to think differently. Your characters Mm -hmm. are going to think about magic differently. Even if it's the same type, even if they use words, they could still use them differently than other characters. That's true. If it's something, is it something that's internal to the person? Because if it is, then like you said, every person's different. So their magic is going to be different. Right. My willpower is different than your willpower. Yeah, exactly. My breaking point is different than your breaking point. Is it something that can be taken from another person or taken physically from the ground or the air or the water? Yeah. Is it um, something that you take or is it something that is inside you? Yeah. Is it something that studying can teach? Is it more scientific? Right. So is it is it a rational magic versus irrational magic? Yeah, yeah. Can the, the, the reader think about it and go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I get how magic is done. Or is it going to be something like Harry Potter where we don't really know? How, it just, just exists. Yeah, they're just magicians or wizards or whatever. Yeah, which I think... I think both ways are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Harry Potter, and it's it's fun to explore that world because you never know what's going to come next. Likewise, I love having rules set for magic and having those strict outlines of where your magic's limits are. Um, yep, because that's very easy to use then to create conflict when your character needs help out of something and you're like, mm, magic can't isn't going to do, that. do it this time. And yep. I think that's how it should be. I think, I think magic should create limitations rather than solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, Patricia Briggs talked about this at uh, Dragon Con in 2019 where she, you know, she thinks that, you know, magic should cause limitations. It mm-hmm. should cause conflict and it should not be the one solution for everything. Right. I agree. Is it like a recipe where you have to have bits and pieces to put it together to make it work? Oh, so like a potion or something yeah. like a witch's magic or yes. something like that. Or a hex bag or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting because that's, um, that's a limitation on its own because you yeah. have to get those ingredients yeah. together. Is it like in the magician's there's magic, but you can't make it work unless you know the specific, intricate... The finger, finger movements. movements. Yeah. yeah. And then there's specific words that have to go along with those 
movements and it has to be done precisely right to make the magic go the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Also, is there a physical cap on it? Like how much can you physically do magic? Is it going to tire you out? Is it going to give you headaches? Is it going to cause some kind of physical damage or mental damage or whatever? Um, that I think makes a... me think, and I don't know if you ever saw this, one of the original Star Trek shows with Captain Kirk, the, the original ones. I don't know if you've watched all of those. I have not. Okay. Well, in this particular one, there was a world that Kirk gets taken to and there's this woman they're with him. They're both held prisoner and the woman can't speak. She's got no physical voice abilities and they can't hey, like me right now. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like you, but they keep torturing Kirk and she, her magic is to be able to heal him, but she has to take his, her, his pain into herself. And so what it turned out to be was they were being experimented on by this higher quote, higher race. Right. And she healed him to the point where she killed herself Oh, wow. To heal him. So she sacrificed herself, you know, and how far is your character going to go with sacrificing it? What sacrifice is there that's required to cast your the magic and, you know, and how far will they go? Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was a great example of the detriment of magic and how it can create tension as well. Yeah, and, and I have a point in my notes that says, you know, establish its dangers. And I think that's a really good example for that. I I think... You know, if magic is light and fluffy, what kind of conflict does it add to your story? Like, what makes magic necessary in your mm-hmm. story? Why do you have it in there? My goodness. Um, <laughs> I may be doing a lot more talking from you, here on out. <laughs> you sure might. Um, but can it cause destruction? Does it cause harm to others? If it's secret, what's the danger of letting the whole world know that it exists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the consequences yeah, what and, and you know, what does it what could those consequences be to society? How is it going to change the world and everything? You know, in so. my freaking fairies book, it is a masquerade and Beck gains the sight, which is illegal because it's going to it has the potential of exposing the masquerade. And so their answer to that is kill anybody who gets the sight. So nice of them. Yeah, that creates uh, a lot of uh, conflict for my main character, who has now got a death warrant on her head. Only a smidge. But yeah, and then so what would happen if down the road in this series, because of her sight, somehow the masquerade becomes exposed and how, you know, that could lead to all kinds of conflict and um, change my whole series. Yeah. Which actually, I have more notes on that, too. That's part of the magic's culture. How does it affect culture uh, within your story? Because, you know, is it kept a secret that's going to change the culture and who uses magic and how can Mm -hmm. they use magic and um, what type of magic can they use? Um, And are there magical societies within your book? And that's I think that's important to your world building and that's important to creating your magic system because it kind of gives you a sense of who can use it, how many people can use it. Uh, do people know about it and and that kind of thing? Do you think, you know, we talked about world building before in one of our episodes. Do you think you need to do your magic building before you do your world building? I think they might need to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if your world runs on magic, if it if it gets used in everyday life, then I think you need to build, build, build both at the same, same time. time. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely going to shape how your physical world is built and all the other parts of world building too. So I I think you might need to know before you start world building what magic is. I think so too. And especially if you have, I mean, if you have like one idea of how you want magic to be like, oh, you need magic to run water. That's going to affect everything in your world. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to know, okay, 
this is how magic is going to affect that part of the world. So what are some limitations on that? Yeah, I think about how Alana Andrews, how there are a couple that write the book under the name Alana Andrews, but I think about how they had to have world world built and magic built at the same time because... Oh, they had to have. Yeah, they had cars that have to be able to run on magic or not our, our tech whenever the, the shift happens. Yeah. So um, their world building is incredible. But I think, like you said, it had to go hand in hand with their magic building as I well. I think so too. Yeah. They had to have, they had to be aware of both at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. mean, that's not to say that you have to figure out everything at the forefront of your world building. Cause right. I mean, once you have, you know, some established base, then you can go out from there and they might've come up with that car idea oh, we can have cars that run on both mm -hmm. tech and magic. And then that probably came, you know, and from it sparked one other idea. things. Yeah. yeah. So it led them to their building in both areas. Yeah. I've got, um, you have to keep magic from becoming too powerful. You can't have a world where magic is too easy because that's yeah. boring. Yeah. There, I mean, and that, and that goes hand in hand with, you know, where does it? Yeah. I think that goes hand in hand with what conflict does it create in your story? Um, because, if magic is just there, what's the point of putting right. it in your yeah, story? Just because it's cool is not enough reason by itself. Which, I mean, if you're trying to get across your fantasy world, then ambiance, like it can be used for ambiance. But I think that there should be more more to it, mm -hmm. for sure. I so. agree. So I, I started thinking about what kind of flaws and limitations there might be. So a flaw, well, not necessarily a flaw, but a limitation yeah. would be like praying, this takes time. You yeah. got to wait on the God to grant it yeah. or not grant it. You know, right. you're uh, you're left in limbo at the whim of a God. Right. So your magic may or may not work. The hand gesture gestures like in the magicians. Yeah. Requiring an inst instrument like if you have to have a wand. Oh, that's true. And you drop it or or like when it, Ron broke Ron, his... yeah when Ron broke his wand, what happens? You yeah. know, you're hindered then and the end up throwing up slugs. Yeah. The sacrifice of self, like that Star Trek episode. You know, we've all heard the idea that magic comes with a price. Yeah. What is that price going to be? Um, the strength of will. Do you get weaker every time you do it? I think you had mentioned one of your characters um, did. Right. The avail availability, if you have to have ingredients, the availability of those ingredients is the river running dry. Yeah. Is the ley line somewhere up in the Andes Mountains that you've got to get to. Right. Are crops and plants that you need dying. Dying. Yeah. So think about fly. It's kind of like throwing rocks at your magic. You know, like yeah. we talked about throwing rocks at our characters to heighten tension. You throw rocks at your magical system yeah. to make it more interesting as well. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at that. Mm -hmm. I also have a note on whether or not you want to use your magic for um, a theme or to get across a message in your story. Because I think magic could be a great metaphor for certain real life issues. That's true. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example and I can't think of one right now, but maybe even um, the Alona Andrews uh, magic system, you know, it shows our issue, how dependent we are on tech Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. So I think you can use magic to get across a theme or a point that you want to convey in your story, which I think is pretty cool. And, and it's okay to have magic be have frivolous you know like in harry potter the wonder of that magic the whole world fell in love with that series of books yeah because of the wonder of the magic and the uh, you know everybody wants to fly on a broom and yeah and i think arguably that's that's a good enough reason to have magic in your story yeah it just has to lend to your your story yeah no i agree with that completely
Yeah, and that kind of goes into my next point, which is, you know, think about how magic will fit into your story's tone. Uh, so if you're writing a darker story, your magic is probably not going to be light and fluffy. and Like my freaking um, fairies, you're not going to have that in a dark story. Right, and I mean... You could, but you it would still have to fit with your tone. Like, yeah. there would have to be a specific character that's light and fluffy in that story, and that's right. that one character. Right. But, you know, if, if it's a dark story, is it is the magic going to be more violent, or is it going to be used for more violence, or mm-hmm. um, is it going to be more emotional or just heavy, mm-hmm. kind of? And I think that's really interesting to think about, because I, I hadn't really considered... Um, how it would fit into the tone of the story. Although I think I subconsciously... I was going to say, I think we automatically do that. A, yeah. a, a lot of things writers just instinctively just know. subconsciously do, yeah. So it's it's funny to do these episodes where we actually break it out and we're like, oh, wow, yeah, we automatically do that. And I'm yeah. sure our listeners do too. It's, yeah. it's kind of neat, though, to think about the details of what we're actually doing subconsciously and why and how important it is. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's... I. Again, ma- designing magical systems is like one of my favorite things to do ever. And I have completely different magic in all my books. And it's fun to think about all of these different things uh, that we put into it because it's it's just so much fun. Definitely. I, I love magical systems as well. I mean, I love world building too. And to me, magical building is very similar to world building. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm, I think, like you said, we go hand in hand. Yeah. Like they go hand in hand. And we're creating something from nothing, which is awesome. I love to do that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's what writers do. We can make anything we want to. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. So the last thing I have is like using inspiration to create your magical system. Because like you just said, we're creating something from nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, So where do you start? And I think using other books that you admire are a good place to start. Mm -hmm. I think myths and legends that we have in our world in general, there are so many different cultures. And as long as you like treat it respectfully, I think those are very good places to draw inspiration from to design magic systems. I agree. And and you can draw inspiration and turn it on its head. Yeah. But, you know, like vampires, we all have this set in our brain what vampires are. They can't go out in the sunlight. They don't like garlic, you know, all of these things. But you can twist that up and make it whatever you want to, you know, and including being sparkly if that's what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. It's open up to anything. Yeah. But people start with this idea of what a vampire is and it's kind of neat to shake it up a bit. I so, agree. Yeah, you can go to anything that's out there and make it your own. I also find that I get a lot of, um, a lot of my ideas for magic and the way that I want things to work from TV shows. Me too. Um, so not just written inspiration, but I think TV shows and movies are a really good mm-hmm. source. Cause I, I get a lot of my ideas from those kinds of things. So, and a lot of TV shows are based on books. Like, oh, true. I don't know why this just came to mind, but Blood and Chocolate. Oh yeah. The movie was entirely different than what the book was. Totally different ending. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked the movie better, which I probably made enemies. People are shivering out there now, <laughs> but I actually liked that movie better. Yeah. Um, and that was a neat world, and their magic was. Not necessarily, oh, I have a wand and I'm going to cast a spell, but right. it, it was werewolf magic. Yeah. Which is, and, and that's also, a um, that author had to create, you know, how did the werewolves change in that book? What was the magic? You've got Patricia Briggs, werewolves who change in a totally different way than the blood and chocolate yeah. werewolves changed. Yeah, absolutely. I would much rather change like the blood and chocolate <laughs> werewolves than have to go through what Patricia Briggs werewolves have to go through. 100%. So, um, yeah, and just because you think, oh, vampire, 
make it your own. Yeah. Change it up. If you have a cool idea for it, do it. Do it. Yeah. If you're like, oh no, no one will think that's cool because that's not how vampires are. It doesn't matter. Do yeah. it. I think yeah. I think if you like it, there's definitely an audience out there that will also like it. You know, just make it consistent and believable and you're good to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we move on, I did find that source where I got all of my information. It's a uh, well storied. Um, so that's uh, well-storied, and it was written by Kristen Kiefer, um, and she had some really good points, and it was a great blog article. So I think I've used that website before, too. They have great articles, so check that website out, well-storied. I think I've had, on other topics, I've come across that website. Yeah. So And there is a lot out there. Um, Google Magic Building. Um, oh, yeah. Magic, building Magical Systems or whatever. And Yeah, there's a lot of information, and that's get, definitely where I got most of mine. So I, I think there's even a, a Reddit sub a sub subreddit. There's a subreddit for everything. Boy, about uh, magic building, yeah. you know, magical systems and that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there. We can, on our social media, we can you know, have conversations about all this. I would love to hear with y'all. Yeah, I think that'd be do. great. And if you guys, like, have designed a magical system and had a different way of going about it, let me know because it's, I'm telling you, it's literally one of my favorite things to do when I'm writing is to come up with a magical system. I adore it. I would do it all day, every day if I could get paid for that. That would be fantastic. It is. It's awesome. Um, It's a lot of fun. So I love to hear new ideas. And if you guys have any, I would, I would love to hear them. Um, That's all that I had on like general notes about. I don't have anything else either on general stuff. World building. Okay. I mean, you can have one type of magic, you can only have werewolves and werewolf magic, or you can have all kinds of magic. You can have witches that do magic and, you know, hex bags or like I'm thinking supernatural and magic. You can have all kinds of different magic. There is no limit on what you can do. Right. And I think we talked a little bit about that in our world building episode because I had a point um, back then about, you know, it doesn't have to be a kitchen sink of creatures. Correct. But it can be a k- kitchen sink of creatures, and it depends on how your magic works and what limitations you put on it and what rules you have or lack thereof and, and that kind of thing. So, and, and I like the idea of it just being one. Oh, yeah. You know, that it doesn't have to be, like you said, the kitchen sink. The, the blood and chocolate was all about werewolves. We right. never learned in that world whether there were witches or any other kind of magic. All we knew about in that story was werewolves. Right, yeah. Which was perfect. Yeah. That was fine. I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, my... The book that I'm working on right now that I just pitched is mostly trickster magic, although I might expand on it a little bit more because it is a series. But in this first book, it's all it's all trickster magic and it's all about deception and it's all about, you know, creating illusions and that kind of thing. So uh, and that's and that's just one type of magic that I've that I've put in so far. So yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And then I've got freaking fairies, which has all kinds. Yeah, I've got brownies and all kinds of fairies all kinds of things you name it yeah you know vampire type creatures which i don't call vampires yeah um, so it is more like a like a kitchen sink it is a kitchen thing. sink yeah. and it's unlimited and what i can do with them yeah I'm trying to think what my other books were i've got you've got trick and yeah trick is all demon hunting mm-hmm. demon magic but there's different types of demons, so there's different types of demon magic, but it is all centrally related to only demons. Right, yeah. Um, and then Hallow, that's elemental magic. Oh, that's right, yeah. Which, that one's a fun one, and I'm still kind of creating that one. I'm I'm writing, it's one of those pantster things where yeah. I'm writing, I haven't gotten to the point of where I need to really seriously think about where this is going to the end of the book. Yeah. But that elemental magic is interesting. Yeah. I kind of like it. It's not something you see out there very often. Definitely. Yeah. And then I've got um, 
you know, my other book, Louie and Delaney, that's sentient magic. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's magic that's alive within the person that it was born with. And and that whole magical system is one of my favorites. And then I've got uh, Aiden's World. And that magic is, it's widespread. So it's, um, it's actually spreading. And it's, uh, quote unquote, infecting people um, and changing them or killing them or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. And that one was really fun to come up with, too. So. Yeah, and then my Chitara book where that's the romance, the magic is infecting the world, mm-hmm. not the people, mm-hmm. not anything like that. But it's there's something wrong with the magic, and it's affecting the physical landscape of the world. Yeah. So, and then that was fun to create. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so all kinds of different stuff. Very cool. Are we done? I think so. I do have an interview question for you. Okay. What is your writing ritual? Like, what do you do to prepare to write? Do you have any um, habits that you do before you start writing? That kind of thing. Unfortunately, because I have so many other things that I have to do, I don't have a set ritual. Mm-hmm. If I find a minute and I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got, I've got time. I can write today. I jump into it. But how I get myself back into the writing is I have to reread mm-hmm. what I've done, which I think we talked about in an episode before, how you outline. So then all you have to do is read the outline, yeah. whereas I'm stuck having to actually go back and read, if not to the beginning, but at least a couple chapters just yeah. to get myself back in it. But that's the only ritual I have because I, and I probably should set myself up with a routine where I do this at the same time, if possible, every week, you know, because writing is important to me and this is something I want to pursue as a career even. Yeah. And so I should give it that importance in my scheduling, which I have not done. Right. I have to drink tea. I mean, I don't have to, but it it definitely gets me in the mood. Um, So I come home from work and I immediately heat up some water and I make tea. And I know that means I'm planning to sit down to write. How cool is that? Yeah. And whether it's right after work or later in the night, which gets me in trouble because I drink tea with caffeine, I will make tea, drink tea, and I consider the caffeine worth it to sit down and write for 30 minutes to an hour or however long. Um, I also uh, turn on my music. I choose which music I want to listen to. So tea and music, and then I can settle into my rocking chair or my office, wherever I decide to write. And, uh, and that's, that's how I get into the mood to, to write. Very nice. Yeah. Did we say what we were eating and drinking? I don't, I don't remember. Well, if we didn't, we're, it is the morning after our (laughs) big day yesterday at the Atlanta conference. So we're both having tea and breakfast. So I had, um, two blobs of bacon as my husband called it, but we'll post pictures of our breakfast and our tea. Definitely. Um, And I'm sorry my tea didn't help my voice at all. (laughs) You actually have your voice still, so I didn't. I didn't expect you to keep it through this entire podcast. Oh, episode. me neither. I'm impressed. So uh, we will see you next time. I do want to remind you all: um, we still have the contest going on. You get spiral notebooks, calendars, sticky notes. All you have to do is leave us a review and then email us at eat.drink.write.podcast at gmail.com so that we can mail you your good stuff. We now have a website which. I still don't have the blurb from you on uh, a little bit about you. And I just pitched to like three agents. I needed needed some time. So we need to get that done. But come see our website at eatdrinkwritepodcast.com. You can contact us there. All of our social media is listed there. Our email is listed there. So visit that website. Last but not least, please, not peas, please visit our Patreon. It's patreon.com. 
patreon.com slash edwpodcast. And we thank you guys for your support. Thank you, guys.